0: You can find Spring Spirit podcast at springspiritpodcast.ca. Spring Spirit podcast is also available on seven different podcast platforms. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find Spring Spirit podcast. Sit back and enjoy. Dan say friends and relatives and I am from the Atakuku Cree Nation and today we have with us Daffy Puyak. Daffy is from the Sweetgrass First Nation. She's part Nakoda and part Cree. She's a storyteller, traditional teacher, cultural presenter. Welcome Daffy, how are you?
1: I'm good. It's a really beautiful day today. Had uh, some time to go to... Uh, do some prayers at some sacred sites so that's always a good day when you get to do that hmm yes my English name is Daffy Puyak and I come from um, Ngoati another landmark they call Sasquatsuin that's a uh, sliding hill the and then actually the even though they call the reserve Sweetgrass, the land has different names different parts of the community has different names. So, um, uh, I have three traditional names. My first one is Keheusko Eagle Woman. My second one is Oga Maumikapieyesusko, Leading Red Thunderbird Woman. And my third one is Oki Warrior Woman, Helper of the Lodges. And uh, my my dad passed away. His name was David Puyak and his parents were Emily Mayo, Solomon, and his dad was Solomon Puyak and my mom is uh Jean Puyak and her mom Helen Bird and her dad William Spyglass. So my mom is full Nakoda and my dad is part Nakoda part Cree and part Ukrainian. So um I grew up in uh what what they call sweetgrass like I said we have different names for the land in the reserve like there's different parts of the reserve that has different names so I kind of, when I was a kid, my Gukum scolded me because I uh, she said, um, when somebody asks you Tante Otsikia, they're asking you, mm-hmm. where does your belly button come from? Where does your blood come from? Mm-hmm. So all the other kids used to say, sweetgrass, And one time she caught me saying sweetgrass, and she got mad at me and she said, we're not even blood related to that, man. <laughs> <She said. laughs> i say you're from Sweetgrass. And uh, so I kind of had a hard time growing up because it had um, different, uh, my Gukum taught me different ways how to introduce yourself. And uh, Mm -hmm. she talked about land. She said to use the land names, not the name of Chief Sweetgrass, because we're not blood related to him. But so now in this time, I live on what they call Sweetgrass First Nation.
0: That's cool. I didn't know that. I've been through Sweet Cross a few times, and um, it's good to hear that. Um, it's interesting to hear that there's different place names. Um, the same here in Atakukup, where I live. So, Daph, I brought you here to uh, share with us a little bit of uh, Indigenous women's teachings, Nakoda Cree teachings, Cree teachings. I've been getting a lot of phone calls Um saying that my podcast is reaching places far and wide, and I got a call from Texas actually uh, requesting for this type of show on Indigenous women's teachings. So my phone call from Texas was a woman from the Kakawishtahau area, and she said that when she hears people from home, she just feels home, and she requested um, Indigenous women's teachings.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> Um it's such a really massive topic that like there's so many stories to choose from and I think um, that it's really important that we understand our place as women and our and our strong connection to mother earth like the word uh, iskutel when you take that word apart uh, it talks about a woman's heart the warmth of a mother the love of a mother and I was told they first used this word to Mother Earth's heart, that fire in the center of the earth. So, our people always knew that uh, Mother Earth's heart was fire. We didn't have to get shovels and dig and, you know, do any, uh, try to prove it or anything like that. We always knew that, and that's a part of our creation story. And it talks about mm-hmm. Mother Earth, center of the earth. Uh, that fire in the middle of the earth. Like, there's really, really beautiful, amazing stories that my Gukum told me that she talked about. I was just blown away by all the things she talked about. Like, she even, um, and I wish I could remember the words. I feel really bad. I'm going to pray about it. And I hope that I can remember. Uh, my Gukum told me, she said, Nusim, you know, Mother Earth has a waist. And she said, on a woman's waist, like this part of her body. So, if you were to take the temperature, on the waist of a woman and then maybe on their head or their hand, wherever the waist is always going to be warmer. So she was telling me, she said, and my dad was telling me in my musham. they were telling me these stories and they, they, the way they described it, they said, mother earth has a belt and it's the hottest place on the earth, on mother earth, on her body. Just like every woman, the warmest place on her body is her womb. The mm-hmm. warmth of mother, the love of a mother, so the womb has this this um, like our inside of our womb inside of a woman, they call that the womb our like our fireplace inside of us that is our fire, and mm-hmm. we, as women and all like the animals, the birds, everything like that, their womb is considered like a, like a home fire, a place to bring a, a new spirit into the body, and to keep that new spirit warm until they're born into the world. So that's really um, an important part of our teachings. And it's uh, it's important, you know, a lot of times like I've I've traveled around and I'm not trying to be like um, somebody who scolds, but I've talked to a lot of young men like uscapios when I would attend, you know, the ceremonies or I would attend um, the wakes or funerals. And there was times where they had a fire there and it's kind of sad but in a good way they're bring, like a lot of people are bringing awareness about the sacredness of the fire the sacredness of um that that fire that's a represent representation of mother earth when they build those fires in the lodges like when you go out to uh, you know the sundance they have a fire there and that fire is really well protected and it's not to go out same thing like when they go to awake they they start that fire and um Uh, Those fires are to be protected. So I had a lot of good talks over the years with uh, the young men, the fire keepers. And I talked to them about, remember that that fire is sacred. It represents the women. It also represents how you light that fire is how you treat women. When I was a little kid, my Gukam was really um, old school. She had a stove, but she actually cooked on a fire from spring till fall. So it was a regular thing for us like to wake up, you know, in the morning, my musham would go make the fire. My Gukum would get like the meat and the vegetables ready, the, you know, the stuff to make bannock. And me and her would carry bowls outside. We had a table outside and we had the fire and she would um, cook real quiet. I, I remember watching her and it seemed like it was a really, um, like a quiet time. She was real gentle with that fire. And when my I watched my musham build that fire, And he was so quiet, like he was really gentle with that fire. I remember watching him and putting, um, putting wood in there and and my Gukum would look at him and it was like, I don't know, it was, she had this look in her eyes. Like she just really adored him the way she watched him put wood in the fire. And later on, when I got older, you know, one time I had, you know, we were kids, right. And I had this stick and I was trying to poke that fire. And my Gukum told me, hey, guys do the man. I said, but why Gukam? And she said, don't do that. And I said, why? What will happen to me? And she said, it's not good to do that to the fire because you have fire inside of you and you're poking a spirit when you do that. Don't poke the fire with a stick. She said, because that's that's a spirit. And she said, and when you get older, she said, when it's time for you to to choose your husband, she said, You I want you to watch the men. She said, you can see how a man treats his mother, his grandmother, his wife, and his sisters by how he puts wood in that fire. She said, if he just throws the wood in there, he, that's how he will treat a woman. He will just throw her without mm-hmm. care. But if he gently adds the wood, then I understood why my Gukum had that look in her eyes when she just would ha- had this really beautiful look. I would watch her. Watching my mushroom put that wood in the fire, real gentle. And she had this real, like she just adored him, right? It was mm-hmm. like so beautiful to her. And even though they were old in their age, mm-hmm. she admired him so much by how he fed that fire so gentle. And so carefully he put the wood in there. So that's why she told me that when we got older, she said, this is how you can tell how a man treats his wife, his sisters, his mom, his kookum, and what he also thinks of Mother Earth because that is a piece of Mother Earth, her heart. That is a piece of her. And she said, we are made of fire, earth, air, and water. She said, so it's important that we have that respect and that honor for the fire. So when I travel around, I would tell the Uskapeo, like, you know, it's your job as Uskapeo to protect that fire, because you're protecting the the feminine energy, you're protecting and honoring mother earth. When you carefully protect that fire in that ceremony, when you make sure that nobody puts butts in there or they don't put garbage Mm -hmm. in there and you make sure kids don't poke it with a stick and you put that wood on there real gentle and um, to allow uh, mother Earth's healing to come to those people. So that's important. It's a really big part of who we are and it's a big part of our traditional way uh the importance of that fire so um that was really really beautiful for her to to teach me that and, you know growing up i i i did that often right say if i went to a sweat or something i'd watch the men build that fire and i would uh i i that i would tell them be kind be gentle with the fire be kind and you know um Mm -hmm. yeah i was always there to to remind them of that kindness and that gentleness because the fire represents the love of a mother the warmth of a mother
0: Mm -hmm. and reminds me of uh growing up to um my first teachings with fire i remember we had this fireplace and i was this little wee tiny girl and i just uh used to think i was so smart and i I was trying to start the fire, be the first kid to start the fire kind of thing. And so uh, I I blew on it and my dad just came running and he sat down beside me and he said, don't blow on the fire. And uh, so he sat me down there and just started giving me the teachings of the fire. And before that, I was uh, like, you know, just being in your small little girl mind and oblivious to 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 things like that until you get taught these teachings, which is why I'm really glad that you're here today with us, Daffy.
1: Yeah, and it's an it's important, you know, part of who we are. Like, and my Google like, lots of things she talked to me about. Um, you, you know, when I was a kid, she spoke to me like I was an adult. I didn't understand what she was telling me until I grew, like, until I grew and had my own family. Then I started to realize what she was talking about, you know, and uh, this can be, like, a sensitive topic uh, for some. Uh, But it's also an important topic. Like I talk to my daughters and, you know, uh, even my sons about this talk, talk about that, that sacredness of that fire. And, you know, we have the teepee and we have that fire in the center um, to represent Mother Earth. And when the women, when they wear their skirts, it's a representation of that teepee. And that fire is in our womb. That's that sacredness of our womb. So it's important that the women, you know, that they realize that, we are sacred beings, like our, our physical body, it's it's sacred. And it's important to know that, um, take good care of our womb, take good care of, um, uh, our Mm -hmm. sacredness of our body. So when I was younger, you know, um, Gukum told me, and I didn't get this until I got older. She talked about, she said, you know, uh, you know, she was saying in Cree. She was telling me all this in Cree, and she said, "You know, don't ever jump over the fire." And I just looked at her and I thought, "Gukum, I would never jump over the fire because I would catch on fire and I would burn and I will get hurt. Why would you think I'll jump over the fire?" <laughs> and I was like, "I won't. I won't jump over the fire. Gukum, I'm too scared to jump over the fire." And I was saying, "Boy, this Gukum. She always says real weird things, as if I want to catch on fire and jump over the fire." But <clears throat> she said. Um, (coughs) she told me don't jump over another woman's fire don't jump between uh, another like a man and a woman to keep not only to honor your Mm -hmm. own fire but to honor other women's fire to to have honor for that Mm -hmm. family system and that fire is the one that blesses the home uh, the fire in the womb, the fire in the woman. The woman is the one who makes that home, and makes that home comfortable. And she told me, like, <clears throat> when when women jump over another woman's fire, they just like they tip over that fire, and it hurts that woman. That woman whose fire mm-hmm. was, and mm-hmm. and also you know that <clears throat> while that woman is jumping over another woman's fire, she can get burnt. And then from that, her jumping over mm-hmm. the fire, the man is pushed away. And then the man becomes cold. And when um, uh, the men are cold, they become different. They become angry, distant, because uh, 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 allowing you know another woman to jump over their home fire. So that's um, that was one of the things that she talked to me about. And I didn't mm-hmm. get it until I was older, until I was in... Um, until I had my own children, my own family. And then I started to understand, you know, what she was talking about. But, like, even on, um, when she was talking about that story about Mother Earth's waste, uh what she was mm-hmm. describing to me is the equator. So there's actually a Cree mm-hmm. word for equator. And uh ah, she told mm-hmm. me some stories, like she even, there's actually even a Cree word for gravity. And she told me. All these real beautiful stories about um, Mother Earth's heart. And about, um, I don't often share this story, you know, too many times, but she talked about, you know, Mother Earth, her heart in the center of the earth, that fire. She said it was like a sun in, inside of the earth. And she said, inside of the earth, there's water and there's plants and there's trees and it's not dark in there because her heart is like the sun in the center of the earth. And she said, and there's other uh, beings that live there inside of Mother Earth. And she told mm-hmm. me stories like about, she talked about like, um, uh, she told me about the seven levels of existence. And she talked about, I'll, I'll, I'll try to see if I can tell that. I'll do the short one. There's a really long story that has to do with this, but mm-hmm. I'll do the short one. And she talked about, she said, Mm -hmm. we were alive even before we were born, before we were put into our mother's womb. And she said, um, that time when when we were alive in the spirit world, the creator took a piece of his heart and he held us. And when he held us in his hand, he showed us, he said, this is where you can go. This will be your mom. This will be your dad. This will be your family. And he gave us two gifts. He gave us love and he gave us free will and that free will we get to choose if we were going to come or not so on the left hand he said look this way and when we look to the left it was the most hardest times the most heartbreaking times the most difficult times in your life that were going to teach you how to live how to be alive and he said now look this way on the right they were the most beautiful times of your human journey and um and you know the grandfathers told me they said how powerful it was on the right when the creator showed the most beautiful things the most beautiful things the love the happiness the joy what you were going to witness while you were alive was just so powerful that it didn't matter these struggles but we needed both of them we needed the difficult and we also needed uh the beautiful and those were both very important in our journey of learning and spiritual growth And so when we agreed and we said, yes, I'll go, we, you know, we agreed to go with our mom. So that was the first part. So the second part, we, we came, the creator sent us down and then we came into our mother's womb and the, the elements that we came into was the, the fire and the water. So fire and water is very important for women, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, balancing ourselves out. You know, the earth is important too. The wind is important, but in the area of the womb, this is where the women need to focus. Um, focus on when they're too emotional. Like say, uh, uh, a woman is very, very emotional, and some, you know, she's trying really hard to balance herself out. Uh, grandfathers say they have too much fire, so they need water to balance out that, um, that emotion. So we can, you know, that, that fire represents our passion in life. Uh, the passions we have for our work, the passion we have for, uh, our children, for our family, for our life's work. And, but sometimes it can build too much. So that's the times where we need water. Um, so we need that balance of fire, water, we need the earth, we need the wind. And, So that's really important. So during the times when a woman is pregnant, you know, that that womb is really lit up. And they say, like the baby, when the baby comes from the spirit world and it comes into the mother's womb, that child is so, so pure that when that child enters into the mother's womb, that child actually forces the mom to heal. So then people say, oh, pregnant women are real emotional. So that child gets into the womb and it's and it's so full of light and so pure, just came from the spirit world. And so that light from that child, it starts to push things out of mom, starts to push this sadness, this hurt, this pain. So that is like, um, like an explanation of why the women, they're, um, uh, they're emotional when they're pregnant. And also like during the menopause, they say that that fire goes a little dim during that time of menopause. So the women also, you know, during that change, they also get a little emotional during menopause. So um, we need uh, that water and that that fire comes real intense during the the menopause. Like the women have these hot flashes and they're just going crazy. And um, uh, the only thing that can come those hot flashes, you know, a lot of people will go and they'll take Western medicine. And they'll go to the health food store and they'll go get, um, some sort of, uh, herbs or some sort of, um, um, Western medicine to help with the menopause with that, that massive fire just goes, you know, it comes mm-hmm. in the body and then the women are so emotional and then they get all sweaty and they get hot. And, um. So it's important that we know that it's the water that can help the women during the menopause. So even like uh, uh, pre-menopause, I actually went through pre-menopause last year and I couldn't even believe the hot flashes. Like I had to go pray at Mantu Saagaigan because I thought I was going to go crazy. <laughs> and I had two air conditionings in my house. I couldn't, uh, I, I really couldn't handle it. And I, and I messaged all these elderly women, give them tobacco and did my best to ask for as much help. And because of the, the COVID going on, you know, I really had to pray really hard. And that's something that the grandmothers had talked to me about that we needed water. So they told me, go to the water. So I went to Sai mm-hmm. and I went and put offerings there. And I told the water spirit, this is what's happening to my body. I'm going through the change. And I need some help. Can you help me out? Because my body is so hot and I can't. um, It's very hard for me. And like I would just stay in the room with air conditioner. I couldn't even come out. I didn't want to yell at my kids or my husband or anybody. I just wanted to hide out and, you know, drink some ice, (laughs) ice water. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I learned a lot from, you know, um, the grandmother spirits when they were talking to me uh about through about my own healing when i asked the questions about that so it's an important part that we need that balance of fire earth air, and water and we also need that really strong connection to mother earth like going and praying and walking on the land barefoot to have that connection when we have that connection to mother we are connected to um not just Mother Earth, but we make this connection to uh, our through our umbilical cord, to our mom, to her mom, to her mom, to her mom, to her mom, to every woman till the beginning of time, to the very first woman created and then to Mother Earth. And when we make that connection to Mother Earth, we start to remember why, we were, why we're alive, why we we're born, what is our purpose in this world? So there's a lot of things, you know, as a woman to help us to keep ourselves balanced. You know, and and every day growing up, you know, my Gukam, she used to tell me, she said, um, uh, Nusim, you ever go visit somewhere and somebody's house, it feels like you can't breathe in there. And I said, yeah, yeah, Gukam. Mm -hmm. I I went somewhere and I felt that. And she said, that's because there's too much bad thoughts and bad talk in that home. And she said, that's why it feels like the air is so heavy, like you can't breathe. Because when we speak... We are using the breath of life, the wind. We have the wind spirit inside of us. So the words that come out of our mouth, they mm-hmm. create an energy. So this energy that we create through our words, it can be good or it can be, we can put ourselves in our own difficult place with uh, negative talk, bad words. So every day, <clears throat> I remember even it was uh, minus 40. And every day my Gukum would open the doors, and the windows. Didn't even matter if it was minus 40. She would go stand outside and she would say a prayer. And in Cree, she would tell the wind spirit, "Baby, she would say, come, I welcome you into my home. She would say that in Cree. Come and bless me and my family. Bless our minds so that we can think right today. Bless my home to take out the negative thoughts and the negative words. If there was negative words towards me and my family or if me and my family sent negative words out, uh, bless us. And cleanse and purify those negative words and pick up any sickness that is in and around our home. So this is what was a daily practice for her. And I still practice that to this day. Uh, Every day I open my door and I give tobacco, a little pinch of tobacco to the wind spirit. Ask the wind spirit to come and uh, welcome you to my house. I welcome you to come inside and bless us and help us. Help us so that we have a clear mind. Help me and my children To have a clear mind so on this day that we can think clearly and we can understand what Creator is trying to teach us today. So, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, daily practices to help not just the women, but also the men to find that balance. Again, Um, everybody wishes for balance. I don't know anybody who, who, who wishes for chaos. Mm hmm. They want balance. They want to have a peace of mind. They want to be able to uh, carefully um, make their choices in the best way. As a parent, you have a home, you have a family. When you have a big decision, maybe it's your moving or new job or, you know, something's going on in the family. As a human being, you you always want to make the best choice. So we need uh, strongly to have Mm -hmm. those as a mother asking the creator and the mother earth to guide us and to lead us and to remember to have that strong connection as a woman to i i have this uh prayer meditation in this prayer meditation um i put tobacco and i sing a certain song a woman's song and i ask um that my my umbilical cord ask creator and mother earth to help me to connect to my mom and so I'll I'll see my umbilical cord and I'll connect it to my mom and I'll ask then that it connects to her mom and her mom and her mom and her mom and and every woman, right to the very first woman created and then to Mother Earth. And then I pray and I ask all those women in my bloodline and I ask Mother Earth, I'll, I'll ask them, help me because I'm forgetting who I am. When we come to a place of confusion, we cannot make the proper choices for our family, for our children. So we need to have that clarity and that clarity comes through the creator, Mother Earth, but it also comes through our bloodline. Because inside of our bloodline, we have um, uh, all of these women that we come from, from, right from the very first, first woman created. They've all had struggles and they've all had problems and they all had solutions for every problem. So inside of our blood, it runs the solution Mm -hmm. to our life. It runs through our blood. Our bloodline carries every solution to every problem that we're ever going to go through. So what we do when we do that uh, umbilical cord prayer, that meditation, we are awakening the solutions and we are awakening the guidance of our, our female bloodline to the beginning of time. And it's a really, really um, beautiful prayer. That's one of my favorite prayers. And like I said, I sing a song. And um, even if I'm guiding somebody through that prayer, I always do the prayer myself when they're doing it. And I encourage other people if they're sitting there, maybe I'm doing like healing energy work. And um, and then I ask, you know, um, the, the people, you know, go along with me through this prayer connect to your mom connect to her mom and her mom and her mom and allow the the feminine bloodline to run through the 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 men can also do this too because that helps them to have a strong connection when they are in a place of i guess you can talk we i talked earlier about that coldness so when a man becomes cold in his heart, Mm-hmm. He needs that. He, a men also need that connection to their mother. They need that connection, mm-hmm. all the feminine bloodline. Because what that does, and you connect that umbilical cord all the way back to the first woman created, Mother Earth. The men can do this too, and it will help them to restore and and balance out that um, that love. So we need mm-hmm. men also need that love, and they also need that that passion for life. They also need that warmth of a mother, that love of a mother. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: so the men can also do that prayer.
0: Wonderful. I'm glad that you included the men with that um, that teaching to balance it out. We have a question here from uh, Lindsay. Okay. We're getting to a question here. How do we prepare for our young daughters as they approach their first moon time?
1: When I was, like every region, they have different uh, uh, moon time ceremonies and um, some of them have different region. but in the Nakota and the Cree ways are actually very similar. They're not, they're not very different. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I can't speak for all of the people. I only know like the way that my Kukum uh, had taught me. And during the first time when I went through the change, and when I was changing into a woman, um, my dad went and got my cookum. I told him what was going on and he went and got my cookum and she came over and she told me I need to stay in the room. And uh, she told my dad that if I needed to go to the bathroom, the men had to leave the house. So if I need to go bathroom in the middle of the night, like my brother and uh, and my dad had to go out of the house so I could go to the bathroom. And then I had to go to the bathroom, like in a pail. And then I would have to take it outside after. Um, and that that time, noah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, or somebody else took it out that time. But I, I wasn't allowed out of the room. And I wasn't allowed to look out the window. And um, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if my Gukum was teasing. But she told me, she said, during this time, she said, uh, a young girl can't look at a man and she can look out the window because if she sees how many different men, when she gets older, she'll, she, she won't have just one partner. So she's not allowed to look at men during that time. And then uh, also like I had to use mm-hmm. the same plate and cup and utensils, right? I had a special uh, plate, mm-hmm. cup, bowl, fork and knife. And those are the only ones I could use for that, that time of that ceremony. And then um, uh, the, she gave me things to make, uh, like hand sewing. And she talked to me about this. Like she told me, when your girls, it's their time, you, in, in the ceremony lasts four days. And she said, in this time, she said, they stay in the room. And on uh, the last day, you let them come out and all the men have to leave the house because the woman has to, the young girl has to clean that house really good. But during the first three days, they uh, give them something to do. And <clears throat> also, like, there's a teaching about that. Like, let's say you you choose how many different items. So you have them, you get them prepared. Like, you cut out moxins. That young girl can make uh, moxins, even baby moxins. Or she can do beadwork. Or else she can do a baby quilt. Or else she can make lacing, like lacing for a moss bag. She can uh, you give them four pieces of height. And in that time, they have to make that, and that lacing, right to the center, and it teaches like the lacing. It teaches them to have patience, and the girl can mm-hmm. see by the end of you know the third, fourth day, she can see the big difference between the first height and the second one. So mm-hmm. by the and the, and then the third and the fourth, she can look at and she can mm-hmm. see that with patience, that lacing is going to be real solid and straight and it's gonna be real even. So the first height is gonna be a little jagged, eh? You're trying to teach them patience mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't have patience and they just trying to cut, 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 and it's all jagged. And when, when that lacing is not cut straight and proper and you pull mm-hmm. it, it's gonna break. So it's important mm-hmm. that they learn how to make that strong lacing because that is what's going to hold the baby. They're gonna use that in the future for the moss bake. So it's important. And then you can see by the time the, the fourth one, when they're finished that fourth one, how smooth and how even it is. And then the moxins too, like they gotta try finish it on the, uh, by the fourth day. The beadwork, it teaches them, you know, um, about uh, uh, patience also. And not everything is perfect. And mm-hmm. then the baby quilt, and when you when you allow that young girl to choose what she's gonna make, it will tell you a lot about that that child. Like my one daughter, she made. I have two girls. My one daughter, she made the baby quilt. And so the elderly woman they said, if, if the young mm-hmm. girl uses that baby quilt, just a small one, just a little one, hand sewing, not a sewing machine. They got to hand sew that um, that little quilt. You cut mm-hmm. a little skirt for them. And um, she said, if the the girl chooses the quilt, then that means, you know, um, that this young woman is really going to be a good mom because she's going to be focused on keeping that baby warm. She's going to be focused on taking Mm -hmm. care of that child and making sure that child has a nice warm place to sleep and that child is well cared for. And she said, if she chooses the lacing, and, you know, that that young woman, she might be a little stubborn, but she will always find her way, regardless of what happens to her, because <laughs> <laughs> she's going to uh, figure out that she needs patience. She can be stubborn. And uh, but, but, but through that stubbornness, that young woman is going to learn to be very, very patient. So when a child is stubborn, their main strength as they grow is patience. So stubbornness teach, teaches patience. And um, and it's, she's talked about the men's, like the moccasins that this young woman, you know, she will take her time when she's gonna choose a husband if she chooses to make the moccasins. And if she chooses the beadwork, you know, she's gonna uh, really enjoy life, like enjoy the colors of the flowers. She's gonna enjoy everything around like the trees, uh, the different flowers, the medicine, she's going to have a close connection to all things that are very colorful and beautiful. So this young girl who chooses the beadwork and the many different colors that are in there, like the, like this young girl will so appreciate the sunrise and sunset. She will really appreciate the flowers and the different colors all around. She'll notice everything, all of the beautiful colors and, um, uh, her her life will be like vibrant like flowers so there was a lot of teachings that had to do with that and then um, uh, after that like on the on a fourth day the young girl helps to clean up and to make the feast and um, to uh, help with the cooking even now uh, what you serve at the feast is is important too like uh, some of the grandmothers said you know that that beaver, you got to go and uh, take that young girl, and she's going to go give um, uh, tobacco at the be- at the beaver lodge, at the beavers, their home, mm-hmm. at the beaver dam. You take her, and she's going to go and put the tobacco there. And uh, she's going to ask those beavers to bless her so that she'll have a strong home. Because they say, that of all creation, the beaver has the strongest home, and their children are the safest. So we go and ask them to bless You know, that young girl asked that beaver, can you bless me and bless me so that in the future, I will have a strong home, that my home will be safe and my children will be protected. So when my, it was my girl's time, I took my girls to go and also make those offerings. Also like offerings for um, ants to go find an ant pile. And so that girl Mm -hmm. will be a very hard worker. So there's a lot of offerings involved in that too. Like after, you know, the four days is done, and when you have to go out, it's good for them to go and give tobacco to the beavers, and also to uh, to give the tobacco to um, the ants, the ant pile. Like my Gukam would say, you know, every year you try and go give, go look for a real big ant pile, and then on that ant pile you take them something sweet like berries or cookies or something like sugar, and you go and take that mm. to them, and you give them uh, tobacco. And you ask them to bless your children so that they're hard workers that year. So these are like um, these offerings, like how to elderly women, how my gukum talked about it. She said they're supposed to be yearly offerings, like once a year. You're supposed to do those offerings like to the beaver and to um, uh, um, the ants. And, you know, there's a lot of different offerings, like, you know, to the water in the spring and um, to help. uh Uh, The women and in the the time of the fourth day, when that woman, young woman, when she's like her, her like, just like she's being revealed for the first time as a woman, so she comes out and uh, the the grandmothers, she walks over the sage four times. And the reason for that is to bless her womb so that she uh, doesn't have a hard time giving birth. And the girl has to pray for herself too, and this is really true. Like um, my um, my oldest daughter took her 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 uh, her coming out ceremony real seriously. Eh? I watched her, and boy, that kid, you know, when she had her babies, she was just solid, like not mm-hmm. even not even a word. She just laid there real quiet, and she just pushed those babies out. You know, I was really happy, and so I've seen um, mm-hmm. like. The benefits from these ceremonies like it's really true like um the the Mm -hmm. prayers go a long ways and to helping that woman to bless her womb and uh to bless her and on my you know on my Gukum side also on the end of that like around that fourth day uh the girl will go outside and she'll make a tiny fire and she'll pray and she'll make the fire on her own just little sticks Mm -hmm. and She'll make it like a tripod, like a teepee. And then she'll make that little fire. And then she'll pray and ask Mother Earth to bless her. And then, um, uh, you know, this is one of the only times that they can do that. But in that time, that little tripod, they, 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 they push it over with their foot. And you can tell if that girl's gonna stay close to her mom and dad, and she's not gonna move away if the sticks stay there. Mm-hmm. Or if they go flying real far, that means that girl's gonna move real far away <laughs> from her mom and dad. Like she'll, yep. be, she'll be far and she won't be close to her home. <laughs> she will be moved somewhere else. So there was a lot of stories about that. And also in those, in those four days, to think about like which women you admire who are good mothers, good grandmothers, and you go and give them a gift and you tell them it's the girl's first time and you tell them to uh, come and pray and, and to teach their their daughter what it means to be a woman, mm-hmm. how to be a good woman and how to be a good mother. So when it was my daughter's times, I went in the community and I went to asked the elderly women that I admire and I respected. And I asked them to come and talk to my girl. And I and I gave them, um, you know, a blanket and I gave them tobacco. And, and they were also, all of those women were also invited to the feast on the last day. So we cooked uh, beaver that mm-hmm. time because of that like for that feast for that purpose because the beaver is the one who um uh brings uh, has the strongest home so that's what we ate for our feast and so there was no men allowed to come mm-hmm. uh to the feast yeah it was really uh really beautiful and I learned a lot from the elderly women so it's a very sacred time mm-hmm. and you know um a long time yes. ago on that woman, on her first time, on the fourth day, the sick people will come in that young girl after the feast is done, after her revealing, right? They call it just like in, I don't know how to say it in Cree, but mm-hmm. it's like revealed for the first time as a woman. So after that, the, the feast is over and the prayers are done and she's now a woman. They reveal her. So then, the sick people come, and the young girl prays for the people that in the evening time, after all the sweat is done. So the sick people come with their cloth and their tobacco, mm-hmm. and uh, the young girl she uh prays for them. Like, like she'll put her her hand on their head, or you know, and, and she'll say a prayer. They'll give her cloth and tobacco, and she'll she'll pray for the sick people. So uh, a long time ago, uh, the elderly woman said, you know, it was a really big thing when a young girl had her first moon time, it was a really, really big deal. And they said when the people knew that it was the young girl's first time, she said so many people would come for prayers because they say that that Mm -hmm. young girl on the fourth day of her first moon time is like the most uh, strongest she's going to be in her whole life because that sacredness, right? She's carrying that sacredness. Even um, the, lady said that 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 young girl she would even spit on them because her spit was considered sacred she would spit on the sick people and um that's that's very important too like even in our traditional way like a lot of people don't really understand that like you know like the birds they chew the baby's food and then they feed that baby Mm -hmm. uh, baby bird with their chewed up food and they're spitting there what's inside of your saliva is actually your immune system so now we have a bunch of babies mm-hmm. that are sick and their immune system is low and supposed to be like the mm-hmm. the 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 baby on the mom's side like the the cook the, the aunties the like from the mom's side like the the woman who gave mm-hmm. birth are all supposed to take turns to feed that baby. Because what is in your saliva when you're chewing that baby's food and you put that baby's food in the baby's mouth, it carries like um, the saliva carries stories of every sickness that your family from in your bloodline to the very first woman created. It carries a story of every sickness that your family survived. So what it is, it's when you give that saliva to that baby and you put it in the baby's mouth, is you're giving that baby the immune system and the memory of every sickness that that bloodline ever survived.
0: I had so many questions there, but I just, uh, I know every time I sit down and talk with you by a fire or whatever setting, um, I just let you talk because you have so many ancient things to say and to convey to the people. Wanting to let you know this is Spring Spirit Podcast. I'm Siku Nachak, and I'm sitting here with Daffy Puyak. Daffy Puyak is a Nakoda Cree storyteller and so much more. I just wrote that there because um, of the space allowed. But Daffy has offered some cultural teachings for the women, um, starting right from when she was born, Um to going through her change and just uh giving some valuable knowledge to the people out there in the public. So Daffy, I to ask you, uh, we're going through a pandemic right now and you're just talking about these women's teachings and things like that. Do you find that um starting with the uh, the young girls going through their change, um do you think that hindered their their um ceremony in any way?
1: The ceremony still went on. I can't speak for other communities. I know there's a lot of communities that were very, very strict with their uh, isolation and their lockdown. So I yeah. can't speak for the community, but I know in my community um, they continued on with the ceremonies because, you know, I you know I always um, I wondered a lot of times why there was like so many ceremony people here, and uh, I always thought you know my explanation for that was because of Sissquatsui. Sliding hill, because we live so close mm-hmm. to a site, right? So on that on that story mm-hmm. of the sites, they talked about. Um, my mission told me there were seven sacred sites. There was some in the east coast, and I think one is in uh, northern Quebec, and then there's uh, Nelson House, Manitoba, uh, right before uh, Saskatchewan, and then the others are in the mountains. So, um, when I was growing up, Shem talked about, like, one on, the, on um, across the medicine line, he talked about the big water, like, in the east, uh, and and then in the mountains, but I couldn't remember the last part. Anyways, I ran into Jimmy Ochis, and I asked him, like, do you remember that story about the seven sacred sites? And he said, um, no, he said, I only remember the last half. I said, well, you know what? I only remember the first half. So, we put our stories together. And then uh the grandfathers told me make a map. So I drew a map and we marked down those seven sacred sites. And uh so he marked down his, the ones he remembered, and they and they said, Now look. So I kept turning and turning that map. And I, we both me and Jimmy O'Gee's were just blown away because you know what? It was it, those seven sacred sites made what? the big dipper. It was the big dipper on the
0: land. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, so then um, uh, we put that together and uh, Jimmy O'Cheese made like um, a PowerPoint uh, uh, talking about that story, put our stories together. And so it was really uh, a really beautiful time because, you know, a lot of times like, uh, you know, we live in a sad time too, where people are acting like, you know, like one of the things why I was really uh, turned off from school was, you know, them, you know, I, I, and what I always ask our indigenous teachers and you know when they're teaching our philosophies and our belief system our way of life when you take a look at our traditional stories and you see books on them I remember being a kid and going to school mm-hmm. and uh, it was storytelling week and they had stories there one of the books caught my eye and it said stories of the sweetgrass creek and I opened up that book and I said oh I know this one this one is Mushum's friend this is Kukum's friend we go visit them and I know this story. This mm-hmm. one Google told me. Musham told me this story. I know this story. And I know this old man. That's Musham's friend. And, and mm-hmm. I closed the, the whole bunch of books there for Storytelling Week. And it said, myth, legend. So I asked my teacher, what does this word mean, legend? It means that they're not true. They're made up. Holy man. Like, I swear to God, I was just ready to throw down. <laughs> I was really mad. And I said, that's not true my Gugum loves me so much and she would never ever lie to me she would never tell me a lie because she loves me so much and she would never do that i said these are true stories and it's not right that you say that because they're true these things are true and you know i ended up getting a big argument with the teacher that time and um you know i got in trouble i had to go to the principal's office that time but um i asked her the other books myth legend it meant they were all uh, not true, but those stories and our creation stories, we actually have landmarks mm-hmm. to prove those stories. You mm-hmm. know, you take a look at, you know, like the, the, the Cypress Hills, like in, you know, that one of that man, mm-hmm. like, we didn't have, you know, uh, you know, uh, helicopters and planes to go up there and take a picture, but we knew because our mm-hmm. story told us those were landmarks we knew that it was the truth and we knew where it was. And they talked about that place where they took that first soil to create the first man and woman. So it's important like that our people and our children know that Mother Earth and Creator, they created a very beautiful life for us here on, on Turtle Island. And they created landmarks and um, for us. You know, and and those landmarks prove our creation stories and they prove our our belief system. Mm -hmm. So it's important, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have another uh, comment or question here. Uh, Are you noticing, are you seeing more today, the young girls going through their change and going and requesting the ceremony? um
1: yeah i i and i see a lot of communities working really hard to bring that ceremony back um mm-hmm. i was travel to different communities and talk about that and but i also see a lot of um women in general like i've had mm-hmm. other women who said they never had the ceremony can you tell me about it and can you say prayers for me because i missed my ceremony you know so mm-hmm. that's uh Really beautiful and really important that we're really having, like, a really massive awakening. Right. And, yep. you know, Mother Earth shook her back and, you know, these earthquakes that were all over. And when she shook her back, those vibrations were sent out from her heart. And, you know, her. her she pushed that love out to the people. And um, mm-hmm. the people felt it. They mm-hmm. don't know. They don't quite know what happened. But they definitely felt it. And they started to move in the way where they wanted to know where they come from. They wanted to know who they are. And they wanted to understand their bloodline and their people. Mm-hmm. So we're we're witnessing like a really beautiful, beautiful uh, spiritual awakening. I was really, you know, grateful growing up for my Gukum teaching me about the sacredness of a woman. And... Mm-hmm. Also, you know, uh, learning about uh, uh, because we need, you know, a lot of people they want they have these many questions about uh, life. They have many questions about this world, even the universe. And I, I can honestly, honestly say, as somebody who was raised being taught about the creation stories, that it's actually the book of life. Mm-hmm. The coolest thing is, too, also that, um, you know, the Viking creation story is almost exactly the same as the creek creation story.
0: You, you yeah, I, are, I'm familiar with both, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it would be really nice. You know, I have my really good friend, uh, friend uh, Shane Orsman, and he tells me their creation story, and I'm just blown away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Went to Mexico and they put their creation story like they make this thread and they use a uh, tree sap to stick that thread on this board. eh? So they draw mm-hmm. their story. And when I went over there, that guy couldn't speak um, English. So we had a translator that went with us to the museum in Real de Catorce. And in the museum, it was the story of their creation on those things. And I told that guy, I said, um, okay, this one is this part. This one is this part. And this is this and this and this. And his eyes were real. This went real big, and he said, "How do you know?" I said, "Because it's the same as our creation story." <laughs> I said, "That's how I know." But I I talked to him about. It. I said, "Okay, this I I understand what this piece is." I said, "But it's very hard to draw because in and it's impossible. One part in the creation story is actually impossible to draw. There's no way you could draw it." And I told him because in that time, before the physical bodies, the children they were only beings of light.
0: Okay, so how that could- would. Be the chasm of chasms from the Viking creation story that you're talking about. I know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then there was no physical form in that in that story. And I told him, I said, I know this is what they're trying to, trying to depict in this picture. I said, but I'm going to ask you a question. Do you agree that it's impossible to draw? And he said, yes, I, I agree with you. It's impossible the way my grandparents told me that mm-hmm. it's impossible. Well, because it was only energy, it was only light. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, we are coming to a close here. Daffy Puyak from uh, Nakoda Cree from Sweet from <laughs> Daffy. Tell us where you're from. I want to say Sweetgrass, but from when we opened the show, you told us a little bit about uh, where your your um, blood is from, your belly button is from.
1: Oh, I'm I'm Nakoda on my mm-hmm. on my. Dad's side, David Puyak, his mom was Cree, and his dad, Salman Puyak, was uh Nakota and Ukrainian, and on my mom's side, um uh Jean, her, her mom, Helen Bird, full Nakota, her dad, William Spyglass, full Nakota. So I'm actually three parts Nakota and uh uh Cree and a little bit Ukrainian.
0: Oh hi, hi, Daffy. Thank you for, for yeah. the wonderful Indigenous women's teachings today. Thank you for taking time out of your evening to speak with us hi hi
1: yes well I'm glad you asked me I'm thankful
0: And now I'm gonna let you um, uh, you can leave us with some words of inspiration uh, for the indigenous women out there
1: um, one of the things that you know I wanted to uh, well, I always encourage the women to remember, Uh, the beginning of our creation story when all of the Creator and Mother Earth's children were all beings of light and every light was the same size, there was no light that was bigger or brighter. Later on, the physical forms came and the children got to choose the physical form. Maybe they wanted to be an ant, so they picked up the ant and they put it on over their spirit. So the spirit inside of the ant is the same size as ours. The trees are taller than us, but the spirit in the tree is the same size as ours. The grass has a spirit. The flowers have a spirit, the fish has a spirit and all the spirits of creation are all equal. And it's our job as indigenous women to carry that. It's our job to remind our children the equality of life. As a mother, you when you have children, when we were born into this world, the creator and mother earth gave us love. And when they put that love into our spirit, our soul, it came with an automatic instruction that automatic instruction says, love unconditionally love equally and as a woman you can ask women you know a woman doesn't say oh I love this kid more than this kid maybe one of our kids is praying and another one might be going through a learning stage with alcohol or drugs that doesn't make you love that other child any less than the one who prays
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so we know that as women and so we need to teach that equality right now, like the women that are standing up for the rights of women. Beautiful job, you know, uh, You know, I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm thankful for the hard work of the many grandmothers, the warriors, the women, the mothers standing up for um, to bring awareness to uh, the rights of women and the equality of women. But within that, while you're going through that and standing up for missing and murdered indigenous women, We can never, ever forget that we are not greater than the men. Mm -hmm. Because a woman carries a belief that a woman is stronger than a man. That's going to be very, very hard for her family. It's going to give her sons a hard time when she believes that women are stronger. That's not true. A woman can't have a baby on her own, and a man can't have a baby on his own. We need both, the male and the feminine energy. To bring balance into the home to bring balance into life and you know i talked a lot about because right now the sad thing is which i'm trying to bring more awareness i'm trying to put maybe get some men to put some groups together because there's actually more missing and murdered aboriginal men way more and 70 percent of suicides in north america are male and uh you know some people might not agree with what i say but men are actually more oppressed than women So we we want the women to be strong, but we also want the men to be strong. We want our sons to be protected and we want our sons to be strong too, not just the daughters. Mm -hmm. You know, when you take a look, you know, um, I've had some women come and ask for prayers because their sons were missing. Mm -hmm. And I've had some women and families bring cloth because their daughters were missing. And I'll tell you, there was no difference in their pain. Mm -hmm. There was no difference in a woman who was crying for her son and a woman crying for her daughter. So as women, we need to do our part to also support the men in their healing journey. We need to support them. And and we need to really, truly be truthful. Like I said, 70% of suicides are men. We need to be honest. Mm -hmm. We can't have half-truth. You have to have full truth in order to heal communities. But, you know, like, so we need to bring awareness and we need to teach our sons and protect our sons the same way as we protect our daughters. Because the truth is in the facts. The facts are there's more missing and murdered Aboriginal men. The fact is more men commit suicide than women. So as a mother, as a grandmother, as, a, as our chapans, our mothers, our sisters, our grandmothers, we need to support our sons, our brothers, our husbands, We need to support all men in their healing because those men, they need that warmth of a mother. They need that love of a mother and the creator and the mother earth. When they made women, they gave us the responsibility to carry that fire, to bring that fire, not just to our children, but to bring that fire to the community and the community means young people, old people, men and women. It means everybody. So our responsibility as women with the carefulness of our own fire is to bring that love of a mother and that warmth of a mother to our children, to our community, to our nations, and to the world. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we keep our womb sacred, that we keep our body sacred, so that we can bring uh, a beautiful, honorable love, and we can bring that warmth that the world needs for the healing that we need right now. And I'm ane, to